Well, good morning. So good to see so many of you here on time. How wonderful is that? So in about 20 minutes, we might get another load coming through the door. So uh, <laughs> it is good to see you. Well, that was a week. An interesting week. Uh, lots of things happen in our week, doesn't it? Uh, we go to hospital, we, go, we move house, we lose an hour's sleep, and yet, as that last song reminds us, you know, there's one thing that remains throughout all of that, and that's God's love. Praise Him for that. Uh, we're spending time uh, this, at the beginning of this year. Oh, oh, hang on. Oh, no. No, Tanya. And yeah, speak to me. Oh, sorry, I don't <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we're spending uh, this uh, beginning of this year looking at what it means to grow. Uh, grow in our relationship with Jesus. What it looks like to grow spiritually. And we're being intentional because we've identified particular areas of our lives uh, that we think that it would be really good if we grew in that area. Um, And maybe we should grow in that area. And we've been working through some of these ideas and some of these areas. And a couple of months ago, thank you, look, still doesn't work. (laughs) And a couple of uh, months ago, I planted... A bulb in a pot, do you remember, of good soil, uh, so that on the second Sunday of each month, I would, uh, we would have an illustration, I would have an illustration to show you how our spiritual lives are growing, just like the flower in the pot is growing. And so, and if you remember last month, it was a little disappointing because we didn't see any growth. But that was okay because we just needed to persevere. But I knew this month it would be better. And it isn't. (laughs) No, no, no. Thanks for humoring me, Steve, but there's nothing. Oh, oh, maybe there is. Is there a little something there? Ah, there you go. So we do have something. Well, there goes my illustration from this morning. But if there wasn't anything, I was going to throw it away. Get rid of it. It was a stupid idea in the first place. I'm just going to throw it in the bin. But here's the teachable moment. You see, when we don't grow, when we try to grow but we fall flat on our faces, when we fail to live the life that God wants us to live, when we don't see any little sprouts of eeny-weeny tiny bits of life or growth in our lives, what does our Father in heaven do? What does he do? He doesn't say, that's it. Why did I ever bother with Trevor? I knew he wasn't going to grow. I knew 
that he wouldn't follow me properly. I'm just going to toss him out and I'm going to move on to somebody else. He doesn't say that. And thank God he doesn't say that. Do you know what he does? He says, you know what? We're going to start again. I see a tiny shoot there now. We're going to try again. We're going to try it again and again and again and again. But what if I don't grow again? It's all right. We'll try again. And we'll do it again. And we'll do it again. Until you allow me and my spirit to grow in you. Isn't that wonderful? You see, our Father never gives up on us. He'll keep replanting us. And eventually, we'll learn to surrender to His love and His mercy and His grace and attach ourselves to Jesus. And we will see growth. And someone in the front row will spot that little bit of growth. Isn't that lovely? I just love it. So that's what I'm going to do with Mr. Plant here. I'm going to try again. And we're going to keep watering him and loving him and tending to him. And we're going to watch him grow. I just love this illustration. It's the illustration that keeps on giving. Isn't it super? Okay. So what are we doing this morning? Uh, there we go. What are we doing this morning? I haven't got a clue, actually. Um, Yes, I do. We're growing. Okay. Working our way through these areas. These are the areas that you told me that you identified at the beginning of the year that you wanted to grow in. And uh, this morning, we're going to look at two areas. Wow. Really? Yes, really. Two. It's a real treat for you this morning. Two areas that we will grow in if we attach ourselves to Jesus. If we plant ourselves in the good soil of Jesus. Two areas of growth, but you can only grow in one by growing in the other. Answer me this riddle. Riddle me this, Batman. What spiritual virtue can you grow in your life without trying to grow it in your life? What spiritual virtue can you grow in your life without trying to grow in your life? Which one of these can we only grow by focusing on one of the others? Shh. <laughs> it's a rhetorical question. <laughs> Confused? <laughs> I am. Great. Well, we're going to get back to Jesus. And we're going to read about Jesus. Let's read about how we can only grow in these two areas if we attach ourselves to him. So we're going to look at Philippians. We're in Philippians uh, chapter 2. And we're going to read the first 11 verses. So if you want to follow along with me, please do. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. If you have any encouragement 
from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then please make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, let's get back to the riddle. What can you grow in your life without trying to grow in it? Thank you, birthday girl. (laughs) Humility. Humility. And that's one of the areas that Paul talks about here in the wonderful hymn to Jesus. Humility. You see, we cannot grow, we cannot try to grow in humility. We can't say, okay, today I'm going to be humble. Look, I'm being humble today. Can you not see the humility oozing out of me today? I have become an icon of humility. You know, I'm going to get into bed tonight and I think, wow, that was a great day. I'm so much more humble now than I was when I woke up. I'm up to seven and a half on the humility scale. You know, I can stand here this morning and say, I'm proud to report that I'm now humble. I'm going to write a book entitled, Become Humble Like Me. You see, I can't. It's foolish, isn't it? You and I can't grow in humility by focusing on growing in humility. You can't do it. But let's be honest, it's something that we all should want to grow in. Some of you told me that that's the area that you want to grow in. You want to grow in humility. And it's a good thing. Jesus said, blessed, happy, you lucky bums, those of you who are humble, for you will inherit the earth. And Paul says in this passage, I want you to have the same mindset as Jesus. 
The same attitude of Jesus. What's that? The attitude of humility. But how? How can we grow in humility if we can't focus on growing in humility? We'll answer that one in a minute. But first, we we need to define what humility is. And I'm going to do that by defining the opposite of humility. Which is what? Pride. Pride. You see, I think it's sometimes easier to understand humility if we uh, juxtapose it with, with pride. So pride is our greatest enemy. It's the root of all evil. It's the source of all sin. In fact, it's the oldest sin. Pride led Adam and Eve to want to be like God. And so they ate the Granny Smith that the servant gave them, the serpent gave them. And I would suggest that pride actually sits at the root of all of our problems. Linda and I were talking recently about strengths and weaknesses. And uh, she said, so what's your biggest weakness? I said, I don't have any. (laughs) (laughs) No, I said, I said, it's pride. She said, well, what about... um..." (laughs) Yeah, that's... (laughs) But what about thinking that you can do everything? I said, well, yeah, but that's pride. She said, well, yeah, what about um, not asking for any help from anyone? Oh, that's pride. What about thinking you know best all the time? I said, all right. Well, that's pride as well. Said, what about trying to do everything perfectly? I said, well, yeah, but that's pride. She said, well, what about burping at the dinner table? I said, well, that's just bad manners. <laughs> but you know, you know what? If pride was an area that I wanted to grow in this year, fantastic. That would be so cool. But pride kills. But humility gives life. And in place of pride, Jesus invites us to a life of humility. He says, all who humble themselves will be exalted. But we've become badly confused about humility, haven't we? We we know we ought to be humble, but we don't know how. And so we put on this false humility by beating ourselves up or convincing ourselves we're not worth anything. You know, how do you respond if someone pays you a compliment? Wow, I love that dress. It looks so good on you. Really? Oh, this old thing? What you say? Well, I don't say it, but I mean that... <laughs> but, you know, like... Great job you did. That was super what you did there. Oh, it was nothing really. I was just just lucky. That dinner was so nice. 
thank you for doing that dinner. It's lovely. Well, you know, it could have been better. I overdid the Brussels. You know? That's how we respond because we don't know. We think we've got to be humble, but how can we be humble? We try to be humble by putting ourselves down. But it was C.S. Lewis who said, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. I love that quote. That's what humility is. So how on earth can we pursue humility? How can we grow in humility? Well, it involves one of those spiritual disciplines that we've been discovering over the last few weeks. We pursue humility by focusing on the spiritual discipline of servanthood. We grow in humility as we grow in true servanthood, becoming a true servant. Richard Foster, who who wrote the, the wonderful book on spiritual disciplines, writes this. He says, more than any other single way, the grace of humility is worked into our lives through the discipline of service. Nothing disciplines the uh, inordinate desires of the flesh like service, and nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. You see, as we learn to serve like Jesus, then we grow in the humility of Jesus. As we learn the habit of servanthood, what happens is our pride and our ego head out the door. How? How can we serve like Jesus? And how can we serve in a way that grows our humility? It brings us back to the passage that we just read, and there's three ways. How do we serve and grow? First one is serve by thinking of others first. Look at verse 3 in the passage that we read. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And Paul reminds us in the passage that Jesus is the perfect example of that. Look at verses 6 to 7. He refers to Jesus saying, Who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Do you see Jesus selflessly left the halls of heaven to come here? Why? Because he fancied a trip. Because he thought, you know what, I fancy a bit of an outing, you know, taking something else. No, he did that because he thought more of you and me and humanity than he did of himself. The Son of God thought that. And Paul says here, guys, follow Jesus' example. 
Think of the needs of others more than you think of your own. So, this means that when we serve others, we do so without wondering how they can be of benefit to us. You see, it's easy to serve someone when we think we will benefit. If I help this person, you know what? They're going to help me. Scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. But to serve like Jesus and to grow in humility like Jesus, we need to learn the joy of what John Altberg describes as the ministry of the mundane. The ministry of the mundane. And if you think about it, we have tons of opportunities to be involved in that ministry every day. When you tidy up after your kids without moaning. It's the ministry of the mundane. When you clean the bathroom and the toilets without announcing it to the world. I'm great at doing that. Mondays is my day off, and I go around cleaning the house and do, it, do all of that. Linda walks through the door. Notice anything? <laughs> How clean everything is? See the toilet? Doing that, the ministry of the mundane, without announcing it to the world. When you cover for a work colleague and do something that they should have done, without telling the rest of the office that you've done it. Letting a car come into your lane without expecting a wave. (laughs) The ministry of the mundane. Do you remember that time in the Gospels when the disciples were trying to stop the children coming to Jesus? Do you remember that? It's a lovely passage. And they say, no, no, you don't bother Jesus. He's far too important. And do you remember what Jesus did? He said, let the the children come. Let the children come. And he took a little child in his arms and he said, in effect, here's your ministry. Give yourselves to those like these children who can bring you nothing, no status, or clout. What can a little child give you apart from gray hair and poverty? <laughs> you know, what if at lunch today I serve Anya and Abigail their lunch and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm serving them their lunch and I'm helping them eat it. They're not going to turn around and say, thanks Trevor, tell you what. I know you're looking for a new car at the moment. I know the guy down at the Ford dealer. I'll have a word for you. I've got a bit of influence. He'll see you right. (laughs) Not going to say that, are they? They'll give you nothing if you help them, except they'll give you everything. You see, serving the children of this world, serving the weak, those with no influence and serving them often and well and cheerfully and out of the limelight will cultivate in you and me 
the attitude of Jesus. The humility of Jesus. And so I want to give a shout out to those of you who excel in the ministry of the mundane. Those of you who go to the nursery and look after our itty-witty ones. Those of you who work in the children's ministry that everyone forgets because they're downstairs and we're up here having fun. I want to shout out to those people. That is the ministry of the mundane. I know she's not here today and I want to give a shout out to Jay. Do you know who cleans our toilets? Jay cleans our toilets. Do you know how much she gets paid? Zero. She comes in two days a week and cleans this church for us. Only me and Laupi see her. She is doing the ministry of the mundane. Those of you who count the offering, you get locked away in this little office at the back down in the basement there and no one knows that you're there. You are doing the ministry of the mundane. And I am grateful. I am so grateful to you for doing that. When Jesus said, the last shall be first, the least shall be great, and the slave the greatest of all, he wasn't giving orders. He was simply describing the truth about God's kind of community. And how different his kingdom looks than the world looks. That's how we grow in humility. The second way is uh, by serving sacrificially. Verse 8 says this. uh, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on the cross. Jesus served us by making the ultimate sacrifice. But why did God do that? Why did he serve us in that way? Well, the answer is we we need to go back to to verse 6. Many Bible translations uh, translate it like this. Who, although or in spite of the fact that he was in nature God, he poured himself out taking the form of a servant. And from a human standpoint, this wording makes perfect sense. Jesus got off his comfortable throne in heaven as God of the universe and put on temporarily this outward act of service. But translating it in that way misses the essential point that Paul's making. Listen, this is really, really important. A proper understanding of the Greek translates this verse this way. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, precisely because he was in nature God, did not consider equality with God to be grounds for grasping, but poured himself out, taking the form of a a servant. Do you see the difference? Jesus did not take on the outward form of a servant. He was not disguising who God is. In coming to earth and to live and die serving you and me sacrificially, he was revealing who God is. 
he was showing us that it's actually God's nature to act in love and service in this way. Let me illustrate silly, silly way what I mean. Let's pretend I want to become French. I've had it with Brexit. I just want to, I'm going to be French from, from now on. Okay, let's, we're only pretending here. So what happens is I've, I start wearing the clothes, you know, and I put on a striped top and a beret and I stick a baguette under my arm and I smell of garlic and I speak with a funny accent and I learn to be rude and, and in, enjoy eating frog's legs. I could do all of that and put on an act, but I wouldn't be French. Because to be French, it has to be my very nature. You see, Jesus didn't take on an outward form of a servant. When Jesus came in the form of a servant, he wasn't disguising himself to who God is. He was revealing who God is. Jesus didn't come as a servant in spite of the fact that he was God. He came precisely because of the fact that he is God. You see, God is a self-sacrificing being. And Paul tells us that if we are to experience and grow in humility, we must have the same attitude, the same nature of Christ. And we follow his example and humbly give of ourselves to meet the needs of others, no matter what it costs us. Oh, really? And it's this sacrificial giving, it may not mean that we have to lay down our lives for someone else. It may mean that we have to do something that's perhaps a little bit more valuable to us. We might have to lay down our time and agendas rather than our lives. And I think serving sacrificially will involve some time or another the ministry of being interrupted. Parents of kids, especially teenagers, will know this. Will know this. You sit down for the evening. You've had a hard day. Dad, I need to go to so-and-so's house to do a project. Can you take me? Oh, really? All right. Okay. Take, Mom, I'm late. I'm going out. Can you uh, iron this top for me? Quickly. I need it done. Can you do that? But I'm just... No, can you just do it now for me? All right, I'll do it now. I remember there was a time a number of years back when we were first married, Linda and I, uh, there was something that we needed to speak to someone about, and there was this older couple in the church, um, and they'd always said to us, you know, if you need us at any time, just pop on round. So we said, you know what, let's go round there, because we need to get this sorted. So we went round there, and, we, and they welcomed us, they came in, we spent two, three hours with them. And we felt so good on the way out that we went through the dining room and we noticed that the table was set with candles 
and uh, flowers. And I said, oh, what's this? Said, oh, it was our, it's our 25th wedding anniversary today, and we were just going to have a meal tonight. But it's okay. Oh, really? <laughs> How neat was that? They gave up their evening for us. Now, hear me on this. We need to discern. You know, we need to discern whether uh, it's the right time to be interrupted. I, I understand that. But we need to be prepared to lay down our agendas and our time and be interrupted because that breeds sacrificial serving and grows humility. Finally, we enter into a life of servanthood that leads to growth in humility by serving with a desire to glorify God instead of self. Paul reminds us in this passage that everything Jesus did was for his Father's glory. You see in verses 9 and 11, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that's above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to what? To the glory of God the Father. So when we serve, we don't do it so that people glorify us. We do it so that people will glorify God. In that day, the greatest name was Nero. Nero uh, was the emperor. He ruled over Rome, the greatest empire on the earth. And Philippi, being a Roman city, had as part of its practice the bowing to Nero and declaring his name as Lord and Savior at every public event. Every sporting event, every political meeting, every rally. Anytime the citizens gathered they would bend their knee and they would raise their voices to declare that Nero was Lord and Savior and his name to be praised above all. And Paul says, there's a name that's above even that name. There's a man who is above that man. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That means that even Nero would one day bow the knee to Jesus. Here's the bottom line when it comes to serving. Your name doesn't count for much. And my name certainly doesn't count for much. The name of this church, City View, does not count for very much. We do not serve for the name of City View. There's one name that matters, and that's the name of Jesus. You see, we'll ultimately be miserable if we live for the glory of our name, won't we? If we try to so if we serve to build ourselves up, if we serve so that others will bow down, because ultimately we will fall. Presidents will fall. Nations will fall. 
leaders will fall, churches will fall, but the name of Jesus will remain. Which means that we do everything for him. Not to please us, not to please others, but to bring glory to him. Uh, I I knew a guy who worked um, on the downtown east side. He's been working there for about 25 years. Basically what he does, he just goes around, he hands out food to people, he chats to people, uh, he finds showers, so, and he washes people, and he does this. And he's been doing it for 25 years. And I asked him, why, why'd you do it? Why'd you do it? He said, because I know that Jesus loves me, and I want to show these people the love of Jesus. Jesus said, what you do for the least of these, you do to me. We serve Jesus as we, uh, and as we serve Jesus, the glory goes to him. We serve in order to point people to Jesus, not to get them to point to us. We have a great reputation in this neighborhood. Uh, people love us here. We do a lot of good things, and especially summer camp. They love their kids coming to summer camp have to be careful that we don't raise up the name of City View. Have to use that to point people to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So when you work with the kids in the nursery, when you clean the toilets, when you mop the floor, when you count the money, when you do the sound, when you cook the food for open table, you do it for him and his glory his glory alone. So do you want to grow in humility? Do you want to learn to be humble? Then don't focus on it. Don't try to grow in humility. Just have the same attitude as Jesus and serve. Serve putting others first. Serve sacrificially and serve so that the name that is above every name can be praised. Let's pray. You know what, I'm not entirely sure what God is wanting to say to each of you this morning through his word and through this message. He might be calling you to confession. You know, how have we been serving lately? Have we been ser- serving for self? for others. Maybe you want to give him praise and thanks for for Jesus and for the way that he sacrificially serves us and has served us. I don't know what it is.
Father, I do pray that by your spirit here this morning that you would come and give us the, the mindset of Jesus, the attitude of Jesus. That attitude of servanthood, that attitude of sacrifice, that attitude of learning to minister in the mundane, learning to minister in the interruptions. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, for, for loving us and help us to love others in the same way. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> it's very appropriate.